0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and interview to review the Turkish Mockbusters so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh, hi Mark. Good evening. Uh, if you haven't heard the show before, what we do here is we take two films that are uh, perhaps not uh, so well made as others and we uh, compare them with each other. Uh, We decide which one is the better or the badder film. Today, we are going to be reviewing um, two films called The Man Who Saves the World and Rampage, a.k.a. Turkish Star Wars and Turkish Rambo. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, Now, this is inspired by my recent uh, excursion into Turkey. How was your excursion, Ash? (laughs) Well, it was good. It was ups and downs. Obviously, the reason I went there was to find out where they filmed these these films and to see if I could maybe have my own copyright infringed adventure as well. But uh, yeah, I've got food poisoning. My brother got food uh... poisoning. He uh, accidentally got lost on his 74-mile run and ended up doing 80 miles, so (laughs) kind of more than anyone else. But then we also went up in a hot air balloon and we went on like a cruise in the Bosphorus. We stayed in Istanbul for a week, so I I definitely got a lot of the the country as well. Found out a lot about Turkey. It's the hair transplant capital of Europe. (laughs) Um, If if you ever want a hair transplant, if you ever get to that stage, it's cheapest to go to Istanbul and get one. What a claim to fame. (laughs) <laughs> um, also, nobody had a surname before nineteen thirty four. Wow! It's completely illegal to badmouth President Atatürk, or he's no longer with us. But um, it, even if I were to slag him off now, I probably would. Probably someone would hunt me down. So when did um, he die? Oh, he died in like the forties. So okay. he's been gone a while. But they they really like him. So um, I like him too, President Mustafa Atatürk. He's a, he's a good lad, and I'm sure he would have approved uh, of these two movies that we're going to talk about today. So, before we go any further, I want to mention the last show that we did do. Obviously, we've been been slowed down a little bit by my my adventures, but the last episode we released was our Halloween special, where we reviewed Halloween 6, (laughs) The Curse of Michael Myers, and we did Halloween Resurrection as well, two awful uh, entries into the franchise. They'll never die. So, that was the Halloween episode, go back and check that out, but we're back uh, to business as usual now, with some Turkish mockbusters, as I say, so... Uh, To give uh, you all a bit of context, in the 70s and 80s there were basically no enforcement of of copyright laws at all in Turkey. You could do pretty much whatever you wanted. And also it took a very long time for Western big films to actually come out in the cinema in Turkey. So this led to some uh, opportunistic uh, filmmakers such as Setin İnank, uh, who directed the two films we're going to talk about today. Uh, This led them to make their own versions of... Uh, very popular films such as Star Wars and Rambo and get them into Turkish cinemas well before the the Turkish people would have had a chance to see the real thing in many cases using footage from those films which we'll, uh, we'll get to but um, yeah, it was kind of the wild west or the wild east-west uh, in, in Turkey at this time uh, so first of all we're going to talk about Turkish Star Wars uh, it's also known as The Man Who Saves the World in English and Dunyayi Kurtaran Adam in Turkish what were your first impressions of Turkish Star Wars Mark I know you haven't seen the, the Star Wars films in a while was this um, um, what did you think of this interpretation of those films uh,
1: not a very close uh, <laughs> portrayal of the original I'm very
0: confused as to why there was Indiana Jones music <laughs> used repeatedly well let's be honest it wasn't just ripping off Star Wars it was trying to rip off as many films as, as conceivable yes but I, I like to think maybe they thought it, by putting the Indiana Jones music in, no one would cotton on to the fact that it was actually a Star Wars ripoff <laughs> and be, be thrown off the trail. Although yeah. they picked another George Lucas film, so I'm not sure that's going to work. They
1: had um, like backdrops of Star Wars <clears throat> footage, I think, yeah. at the beginning. They incor-
0: and... incorporated Star War, uh, footage from the first Star Wars um, also, Soviet and American space race propaganda movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got to throw just, some propaganda and just general bits and bobs that were lying around in the in the local library. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, there is there's quite a bit of footage from the actual Star Wars which they put in with no no kind of regard for for the law. Um, the story goes that they actually did construct massively elaborate sets for this film, but they were destroyed in a storm a couple of weeks prior to shooting and the uh, the production companies wouldn't finance any more to be made so one of the uh, the producers or someone working on this film uh, bribed a security guard at the um the film library the film place and um, he, he gave them a copy of, of Star Wars that he happened to have a, a, a genuine copy in there, and they, they ended up copying it into their own um, sort of film yeah. often in the wrong ratio so this, this, the Death Star is like a death egg and stuff like that it's squeezed down into anamorphic ratio so yeah. it, it looks really wrong as well but yeah Turkish Star Wars it is, it is it's sort of the plot of, of regular Star Wars Uh, transferred to to Turkish um, motives and Turkish uh, themes, uh, national themes, if you like. Um, Starts off with some nice lift music, and I guess their sort of version of the sort of crawling title credits. Yeah. They just had what looked like some guys holding up, (laughs) sort (laughs) of waving some pieces of of writing in front (laughs) of the camera and then taking it away again. There's often like different... And sizes and... Yeah, it was like all squished and stuff. This is this is the best they could do. Um, like I say, we get like a space age montage, so including footage from Star Wars, Soviet and American space race propaganda. We get this kind of rambling um, exposition, like. Really nonsense plot that it was just crammed into. I I couldn't keep up with the, the subtitles. We watched a subtitle no, version of this film. It was repetitive nonsense. It's really like, hard sci-fi. It's talking about bre- human brains Yeah. rule the world and stuff about the moon and like previous films we've reviewed. In
1: it's got a really nonsense prologue, um, similar to. Like uh, Johnny Mnemonic, when we did yeah. that, and kind of obviously this is more kind of different themes, but they sort of yeah. front load the
0: film because yeah. they think, well, in case we forget to give any explanations <laughs> throughout, which is quite possible, we'll cram it all in the first two minutes in in sort of subtitles, and you just know that none of what they say in those in that prologue is going to come out during the probably film, not, really. no. So take it all in now. But we're introduced to our two heroes, uh, which is Murat and Ali, uh, these two. Brave Turkish men, that the the voiceover says. We got our sort of Darth Vader type character, I suppose, who's sort of referred to as the wizard. He looks like he's got like a cereal box or some cardboard that's been like sprayed gold and put over his yeah. over his face with just his beard poking out. We get the typical laser dog fight. <laughs> this sort of throughout the film there's a sort of ma- macho banter about um Oh, I bet there's some women down there. Oh, There'll be some chicks with miniskirts on that planet. It's repeatedly talking about how they suspect that it's the planet is only inhabited by women. They it's... hope it's like the planet of the babes, yeah. the planet of the chicks, in their words. Really horny uh, heroes in this film. This doesn't really happen in Star Wars, um, but they're they're just constantly talking about women and like being like boorish. Um, we got our first taste of Indiana Jones. Theme, not the last. It's used re- used to death. Yeah. It's <laughs> repeatedly. And then they stop after that. Because yeah. no one will catch it. No one will figure them out. Then There's more talk about this human brain. This wizard is like, with the human brain, I will con- conquer the universe. The human brain is the most powerful weapon in, in the universe. These little hints again of, of the sort of pseudo-science, the sci-fi that's going to be happening here. So our heroes crash land in the desert, in the mountainous region and this was actually filmed in Cappadocia, which where I did go. Ah. Um. Actually look this up. It's uh, most of the um, the mountainy bits in, in this film are filmed in the place called Goreme, which I did drive through a few times. Uh, we stayed in the next town over, which was called Urgup, But they all look, kind of look the same. And everywhere you go in Cappadocia, there's mountains that have got little little windows and doorways carved into them because that's how people used to live in that in that region. So this is this is the area that this entire Movie is filmed in, so I, I told yeah. you I was gonna go and do some research. Yeah, and I I stayed in a cave a cave hotel myself, so um, I lived like the uh, the men who saved the world for at least a couple of days when I when I stayed in Cappadocia. Are you gonna be in the next Turkish whatever it <clears throat> ends up being? Film? Yeah, I uh, saw some of the famous fairy chimneys in here as well, which is sort of these rock formations that have been eroded by the wind and the sand, and they kind of look like little dicks. <laughs> and these are all over Cappadocia, and I saw these straight away in this film. I thought, there we go, I've I've been here. Get a strong, like Planet of the Apes vibes here a lot. I think they do actually use the, that theme as well. Planet of the Apes theme is in here. Mm. I say Planet of the Apes sort of vibes because they've crash landed on what's meant to be an alien sort of planet, um, but then they see the pyramids of Giza, the Great Pyramids of Giza, and the Sphinx. Mm. Obviously all stock footage again. They didn't go to Egypt. Right. <laughs> um, but they're like, oh my God, what what are these strange alien monuments? Like the pyramids and the Sphinx. At this point, we get a Phantom of the Opera theme tune as well. When we're watching the pyramids of Giza and the Sphinx. And the music is... Diddly, diddly, diddly, <laughs> and they're just running through the sort of library... It's sort of bootlegged, the best movie themes ever um <laughs> <album. off> versions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get the, sort of uh, the idea of that it's all a bit like Mad Max as well, or a bit of Fallout, in that it's, it's all a bit post-nuclear. Mm-hmm. There's been some sort of um, disaster on this planet, and that's why everything looks shit and like a desert. That is how Cappadocia looks, but like an alien um, desert. Actually, my, my tour guide in Cappadocia told me that they were, they were considered for Star Wars. George Lucas did come and check out Cappadocia and considered setting some of Tatooine there. Yeah. But he eventually settled on Tunisia. I, I, I've also been to as well. So I've been both to the filming locations of real Star Wars <laughs> and, and Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> now, this is um, one of the funniest gags early on in the film is where, um, I think Murat says to Ali, why don't you use your famous uh, wolf whistle to attract the women? <laughs> these, these women that they believe must be here somewhere. And he does the wolf whistle... And loses skeletons on horseback arrive, <laughs> and he says, "You whistled wrong, <laughs> you fool! You were meant to do the uh, topless women whistle, and you've done the skeletons on horseback whistle. Like, you idiot!" <laughs> yeah, they're probably quite similar. He's probably just mixed them up. It, like this is our first taste of the sort of um, the violence, quote unquote, in this film. Which they're quite different levels of violence in, in in these two films. In this film is very cartoonish, it's sped up as well to give it that kind of slapstick vibe, so they speed up all the fight sequences in this film. In both films, there are these noises that are super stock over the top. Yeah. Like video game kind of uh,
1: attack noises. Some of the editing in this, both of these films is appalling.
0: Well... Even if you don't know anything about <laughs> film editing techniques. Well, it's, it's the mark of a bad film, we always say this. <laughs> yeah. but did you know that Turkish Star Wars was a, originally two and a half hours long? Really? And they were told that this was too long. Well, yeah.
1: (laughs) I was clock watching the whole time I was
0: watching this film. (laughs) The director was told this was too long for a mainstream, um, you know, uh, Turkish uh, audience. (laughs) So you need to cut an hour, which they did. So we got down to, I think, just under an hour and a half. Yeah. Imagine being told you have to cut an hour of a film. To be honest, he didn't really cut an hour. He just sped up a lot of it yeah. and, and cut it that much quicker. So he cut out all the messing about. This is why this film goes a million miles an hour. How can I avoid cutting scenes? Well, <laughs> let's just speed them up. Let's <laughs> just go at, like, times four, or times five <laughs> speed, which is sort of what he did. Well, There's, there's a selection of, of beasts on this planet. There's sort of monsters. There's robots, sort of soldiers. There's, like, a big clunky... Like Lost in Space robot, is it Robbie the robot? Is that that kind of character? Some really funny people in just like rubbery Halloween masks. Every now and then it cuts to them, and they just sort of lean forward right into the camera and go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: be like an extreme close up of them. It's like, like whoa, yeah, it was, it was kind of scary. They have a little gladiator arena as they always do in the in the post apocalypse, you know. There's a robot that's just, like, throttling a child for ages. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, like, holding this child up by his neck and all blood's coming out. (laughs) Lots of sped up fighting here, some swords and stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, After this arena clash, our two heroes sort of come into this cave and start to recover. Uh, Our love interest is introduced. Mm. It was this blonde girl. Who has eyes for Murat. And when I say has eyes, that's that's the... That's all she has. <laughs> she doesn't say anything. <laughs> that's, that's the entirety of their um, romantic um, foreplay or, or courtship here. It's just her looking, smiling sheepishly, and him looking back. Pretty awkward sexual tension. Uh, this goes on throughout the film. Just cuts to this blonde girl looking at him. She's uh, apparently mute. There's some clunky, weird exposition again about the 13th tribe. Uh, They're the tribe that will save the world, or they're like a historically um, heroic tribe. And then Murat and Ali go, but that's the tribe that we're descended from. (laughs) Oh, okay. So they're the chosen ones. We see sort of weird scenes of the wizard without his little cardboard mask on, uh, and then with his mask, and he's sort of interfering with the, um, the area here. We got some quite cool shots. I thought. I thought. I was. I was generally not scared. Maybe startled for a moment or two, and confused when uh, all these mummies started coming out of uh, uh, yeah. of their graves and like started ripping out of the walls. So it was like. That was as close as I got to being sort of. Excited or scared. It was the closest to
1: cool that this film was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was actually the best creature design in the whole film, and it was blokes with like bogroll on (laughs) on round (laughs) wrapped round their heads. That was as good as it got. Yeah, this this place that they're staying in. I I went down uh, um, when I was in Cappadocia. That went down into an underground city as part of the the day tour that I went on, I went sort of three or four levels down into this city that apparently went down for like eight, nine, 10, 11 floors. And like Christians used to come and hide in these places when like barbarians and stuff were coming from the surrounding countryside. And I'm pretty sure this is one of the places where they are because they, they push these massive like... Stone wheels in front of the doors, and that's what they used to do in these underground cities when they were hiding from people. Turkey is the capital of underground cities and hair transplants. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if our, our, our leads in this film had had maybe some hair transplants <laughs> as well. It looked like it didn't look like their own hair, no. but um, I'm pretty sure they're using these under one of these underground cities that I um, I visited. Yeah, so some of these mummies sort of turn fuzzy as well and you get different colors this this starts a sort of pattern in this film of the monsters being like blokes wearing onesies yeah like fluffy bear costumes like mascot costumes There's this is left over from other films or left over from i don't know what kids Shows And the protagonists, like, rip their arms off and start beating them with them and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. And, like karate chop them. Yeah. A lot of karate chopping. Yeah, uh, some of these monsters just look like Teletubbies. Like, it wasn't very scary. No. So you've got the mummies and then you've got these blokes in, like, furry onesies next to them. Um, there's quite a funny bit where the wizard is sort of lying down um, and he's drinking blood. He's drinking it through a curly straw, that's coming from um, some of the blokes that have been killed by mummies, and the blood is just filtering down this curly straw until it gets to him. And that it cuts from that blood in the straw to like <laughs> straight onto this training montage. This was the bit of the film I well, I I actually have seen this film before. Um, shout out to uh, Hellfire Video Club and the Cube Cinema in Bristol. Um, they put on this film at the Cube Cinema many years ago. This is the first place I saw it. Also, shout out to Bristol Bad Film Club, who I think put this on recently. Uh, ironically, I think while I was in Turkey. But the, the bit I most remember, even though it was about seven years ago, was this training montage. Uh, I think probably people have seen this on, on YouTube. I'm sure you can find just this montage.
1: It's so out of place.
0: I know they're in the middle of the desert and they're all, all they all they are surrounded with is rocks, but this training montage consists mainly of hitting rocks, lifting rocks, swinging rocks, And most importantly, tying rocks to your legs. Yes. Jumping around with rocks tied (laughs) to your feet. This
1: will come up later, though. And Um, kicking rocks into other rocks. (laughs) And
0: then they explode. Why do they explode? Yeah, some of the rocks do explode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Geologists can maybe tell us what type of rock explodes on impact with other rocks. But this comes in handy later on. It does, yeah. All of this does. Obviously, they're preparing. (laughs) But particularly being able to jump quite high uh it is what they what they um what they're preparing i mean our heroes mainly their weapons are mainly rock based we uh we get some more shameless um inserting of of star wars footage the moss isley uh, cantina scene seamlessly spliced in with uh, just uh, our heroes having a drink in a cave yeah, as yeah. well um you know you can see, and here you can see side by side the creature effects from Star Wars mm-hmm. which was made uh five years prior to this and again the, the the fuzzy fuzzy mummies that are in this one and of course just like Moss asley Cantina scene there's some disagreements some falling outs and some some scrapping again the wizard appears this is quite cool the wizard appears like on a table and when he appears they do like a red filter over the lens but they kind of wipe it like, like they do in Star Wars Yeah. so it, it, this actually felt kind of Star Wars-ish because no other films do the wipe do they right. only Star Wars really does that yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in recent memory they do this wipe of this red filter when the wizard appears so everyone is like under his transmission, under his spell which I thought was actually a cool effect I, oh. I applaud them for Putting a bit of red plastic in front of the screen, it it, it worked in this instance. The wizard sort of invites them to his palace. Um, I think he's sort of after their brains, maybe. Uh, Again, you see a a human brain in a in a box. He opens this box and he has the like a golden human brain, yeah, which will come up uh, later again. But this is sort of the key to taking over the the world, the universe. There's there's another fight sequence. A lot of like. Loads of mental editing. It yeah. gets quite bad at this point. Again, you, this is where they've been told to lop an hour off their runtime. So <laughs> like, right, okay, no problem. We'll cut out anything that isn't someone punching someone else or karate chopping someone. Any any kind of dialogue by this point is not needed. We we know we know where we're going. This is the bit you mentioned earlier where he rips off a monster's arm and starts like stabbing him in the throat, with yeah. him, which was genuinely really quite enjoyable. Um, lots of karate chopping. Uh, eventually, they capture uh, Murat, the main the main hero, and um, they try and bury him alive. The wizard has a bit of a falling out with the this kind of queen character. Is not not really um, mentioned before now, uh, but he turns her into like a hag. This uh, footage of her turning into a hag, and some later footage here, uh, I understand, was taken from a film from 1962, a Turkish sort of monster film, sci fi oh, yeah. monster film. So they're using footage from a film that came out 20 years before their own <laughs> yeah. film, and it still looks better than what, than what they're doing. We get some more like arena battling. Murat is just repeatedly jumping on a monster, just like stomping on it. <laughs> There's a sort of massive uprising where everyone in this like underground city starts going mad and fighting with the androids and yeah. the fuzzy monsters and all this sort of stuff. There's a nunchuck fight around this time, and the guys sort of nunchuck make this noise, which is like... It's oh, pretty cool. I don't know what film they nicked that sound effect <laughs> from, but... It's around this time they find... Um, Murat finds a big gold sword, and when I say big, it's, it's about five foot long... The jagged one. It's like jagged. It yeah. looks like a little golden tree. It's like <laughs> it looks so stupid. It's just like cardboard. It's or something. like something from Dark Souls or something <laughs> like a ludicrous video game where you'd have a sword that's bigger than your character. Yeah. Um. It's made of wood or cardboard by the looks of it. <laughs> he also finds the gold brain. He he comes across Ali, his friend, and um, it seems like Ali has turned on him and betrayed him for the wizard. Briefly. He gets turned into sort of a weird bear monkey type monster, which again is stock footage from this film that came out in nineteen sixty-two. Uh, but then the very next scene, it cuts to Ali being um, strapped down into some sort of machine. I was pretty confused here. <laughs> Lots more jumping around, killing red fluffy monsters with a sword. I've read. <laughs> I felt that this is perhaps where they
1: cut a lot of the film out of. There should have been some more plot. In a lot here, of the plot. More... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the
0: forward motion. Now, throughout this film, uh, every now and then, there's been this character, of the old wise man in the mm. cave.
1: Yeah.
0: He sort of pops up every now and then to give them advice and point them in the right direction. And then there's sort of this scene where he morphs into the wizard. And you thinking, yeah. oh, my God, it was the wizard all along. What a great twist. And then the very next scene, you see the old man again doing something different. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Why the characters appear to be in two places at once, whether this is meant to be the wizard using his magic powers? It's quite uh, uh, a cool bit where um, Murat chucks... Uh, he chucks the sword and the brain, the gold sword and the gold brain, into, like, this cauldron, and it melts them, and then he puts his hands into the gold oh, yeah. liquid metal, which would really fucking hurt, um, but he's all right. And he pulls it out, and he's got these golden gauntlets on, <laughs> which is a super video game as well. Yeah. It's like something from Zelda. yeah.
1: They're probably, like, way too
0: big for his arms. <laughs> like massive yellow gauntlets. Yeah. It's around this time There's stuffing in and a bit more Star Wars footage of the um, the Death Star. Cannon being fired up, you know, the... boom. Mm. Didn't, even, didn't even nick that sound effect. It, the Earth is going to be destroyed by the Death Star, apparently. Loads of Star Wars footage here. Nothing doesn't really relate to anything. And then you get this sort of extended fight sequence where Murat finally confronts the wizard... And he kills him. This is probably one of the best deaths in the scene. He kills him by giving him a karate chop to their head. So powerful that it splits him completely in half. <laughs> they show the wizard's face, but they only light half of the face. Oh, and yeah. the other half is in darkness. <laughs> the cheapest way possible so to convey that he's been split in half. But then, yeah, Murat saves the world. He's the man that saved the world. Uh, he says goodbye to the uh, the blonde woman and the child who's been sort of hanging around with her. And all the villagers sort of wave and go, Goodbye, man from Earth. Goodbye. And he flies off in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to wrap it up, the Star Wars uh, thing If, up if you want to know what happens next, you're going to have to watch Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The man who saved the world. Turkish Star Wars. What are your overall impressions of this one, Mark?
1: I felt like the fighting scenes far outweighed any kind of real plot per se action heavy yeah Mm. action heavy very convoluted any dialogue there was was just nonsense I wasn't really following much of it I kind of understood kind of what was going on but now that you've mentioned that they cut out an hour of the film (laughs) (laughs) it kind of makes sense that there was uh, no real uh, yeah Flow it to makes the narrative. A lot of sense.
0: Yeah, imagine if imagine if this had been two and a half hours. Oh God! <laughs> I was like, getting, I would have read the Wikipedia. I was getting fed up after twenty minutes of this film. <laughs> you know, people just have to believe us that we do actually watch these films. But if it had been two and a half hours, I I might have just read the Wikipedia. Oh, I think I would have thrown something at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess! It only vaguely resembled the plot of Star Wars. Um, most of this took place on a planet, not in outer space, which no. is sort of the appeal of Star Wars. Yeah, it's a war in space. There were the vague references, but they were very few and far between. But yeah, I mean, I'll give them credit; they they splashed out for sort of flight helmets um, <laughs> to make them look like they were in an X-wing. <laughs> yeah, and um, I guess there was there was sort of costume design was okay. Some of the costume design was all right, actually, considering what what minuscule budget they must have had. There were bits of dialogue that were funny, and some of the
1: action was entertaining. But yeah. generally, like the, the plot wasn't cohesive enough no. to like be able to follow or be interested in or anything like that. It but was...
0: bear in mind, apparently in 1982, even though Star Wars came out in 19 1977, apparently in 1982 it still had not made it to Turkey. So some of these people, well, many people in Turkey were seeing this film before actual Star Wars. Yeah, they probably thought it was pretty good, <laughs> pretty cool. Like it's hard to remember a, a time before Star Wars sci-fi blockbuster or any kind of blockbuster before Star Wars is a very different kind of film so I I think there were people probably still getting their minds blown by this film Yeah. like oh my god there's monsters and aliens and robots and what a mess an hour had been cut and I'd still say it's an hour too long (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Man Who Saved the World Turkish Star Wars check it out if you've watched like every single Star Wars film every single Star Wars knockoff apart from this because there's plenty more Other than this, obviously, there's loads of Star Wars rip-offs. Yeah. Once you've watched all of those, maybe check this out. (laughs) And if you're interested in... If you've
1: got nothing else to do.
0: (laughs) If you're interested in Turkish Mockbusters, which uh, this week we are, very much. Okay, so the next film that we're going to talk about now is Rampage uh, from 1986, a.k.a. Turkish Rambo, a.k.a. Korkasuz. (laughs) This film is also directed... By Setin Inank, the uh, Roger Corman of, of Turkish uh, mockbuster cinema. This came out in 1986, obviously after all three Rambo films had already come out, uh, but like I say, hadn't made it to Turkey yet, so they were they were going to knock this one off as well. They were very popular in America, of course. What were your first impressions of Turkish Rambo, Mark? I think
1: the uh, the story was more coherent.
0: Yeah, um, it was kind of a plot. There was more... The The
1: dialogue was better. I don't know whether that's because we were watching it. Yeah, we did um, We did watch
0: an English dub on this one, which was a lot instead more... Instead of... Um, a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I started to identify with characters a lot quicker. And figure out who they are. Yeah, and yeah, what their motives yeah. are, and what with they're doing. Which is which, and yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of felt like this seems like the director's... Later, film like he's kind of improved on himself or something like that. Four know. years later, yeah. <laughs> I don't and know how, they... many,
0: how many films he made in that time.
1: <laughs> Who knows? And uh, also, the action uh, seemed a bit more
0: full on and yeah. like,
1: actually quite quite vibrant. genuinely enjoyable. At yeah, some point. It's, it's pretty hardcore. Get on the the on times, to, right? yeah. yeah,
0: so yeah, Rampage, the, the plot of Rampage is I, th- I would say more similar to the, the plot of, of Rambo, maybe Rambo 2 or should I say First Blood Part 2 that's a whole other story the second Rambo film have you seen the poster for this film Mark? no okay so here's the poster for Rampage which is the American title so this is, this is weirdly a rip off of an American film that has been turned around and marketed back at the Americans <laughs> and that's okay yeah <laughs> And what's what's the tagline at the top Mark? Get ramboned, <laughs> which um, out loud sounds weird, but they've, they've that's spelled R A M B small case O W N E D big case. So you're getting owned by Rambo. You're getting ramboned. Uh. So we open up in the mountains here ag- again, sort of Rambo-type military music. We get some talk of some mountain bandits that are in the area, and there's sort of a guy with a mustache that's sort of driving around in quite a quite a crap-looking car, um, but apparently that's a, that's a really good car, and he's a rich businessman, which <laughs> I didn't pick up on. <laughs> I have to say, when I was in Turkey, I saw some absolutely terrible cars that should not have been on the road. <laughs> um things that were like rusted and doors hanging off and like I didn't see many or well, certainly not in Cappadocia in the countryside I didn't see uh, many fancy cars but this is this is one of them apparently. There's a bandit attack and this businessman is kidnapped. Uh we then cut to a sort of local military prison and we get introduced to our Rambo which this character's name is Sedar. So he's not called Rambo or anything like Rambo, he's called Sedar. And they tell him that he's off to court and they're going to put him off to court in this truck with uh, two of these uh, kind of bandit guys. To be honest, this isn't the plot of Rambo, but at this point I I thought even a blind man could see that this was a, a plant. That this guy was not this Rambo character was not actually a criminal and that he was oh, yeah. being deliberately placed into this truck so that he could break out and infiltrate. I figured this out in minute three of the film. <laughs> yeah. None of the other characters fi- ever figured it out. Yeah. So, of course, he goes in the truck with these two other criminals in the tr- and he, Rambo ends up hijacking the truck and killing very nearly everyone involved, <laughs> um, which is a bit harsh. When We learn straight away he's a, he's a, he's a badass. He only cares about himself. Like the like the real Rambo, at least in the first film, a little bit in the second film, he's he's a broken man. He doesn't care about his country or other people. He just he's a killing machine, and yeah, he's got problems. Obviously, I'm assuming this guy wasn't in the Vietnam War. Maybe he was in some other war. Uh, He joins uh, these criminals in their home, and they eat bread really loudly. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Um, this female character is introduced nobody mentions her name again not women aren't that important in these films her, her grandfather is there and he said yes her dad had to go away he'll be home soon and we hear a knock at the door uh oh, let me in <laughs> he's been like murder <laughs> as he's coming through the door <laughs> oh there he is <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's like let me in or I'll shoot you let me in and they, and they open the door and he's just like clutching his, his, his stomach and he's been fucking shot so there you go daddy's home um, and then he's he's followed into the room by these um, these bandits who all look like the elephant man <laughs> sacks on their heads but still doing a good job of, of sort of intimidating and shooting people I don't know if you noticed uh, quite early on like I did but the the English dub for the Sidar character is somebody doing an impression of Sylvester Stallone yes I definitely noticed this kind of <laughs> deep voiced
1: slurred
0: speech obviously it ripping off Sylvester Stallone not seem to match the, the, the actor no I don't know but I got the sense that this actor would actually be quite a high pitched voice. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Siddhar was actually played by a guy called Siddhar. <laughs> that's his real name. Um, Siddhar Kebab Siddhar. Actually, has kebab in his surname. That, that's the <laughs> Turkish word for kebab. Kebab. That's with a P cool. on the end. So, Siddhar Kebab Silah. <laughs> Maybe that means. Destroyer of kebabs or something—I don't know. Sure. I kebab no. in my surname? <laughs> Mark Kebab. If you look at this guy's films, he, he kind of looks like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Turkey by the looks of it. Or, mm. or the Sylvester Stallone. Oh look, there's a, there's a film there that looks like Rocky. Kara Simsek. There you go. There's a film called Kara Simsek, which has got Sadar on the front wearing like a boxing belt. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should check that out. So Sadar is is your go-to Sylvester Stallone kind of not look alike as such but um certainly he does a pretty good uh, a pretty good impersonation of Sylvester Stallone. Um straight away we're introduced here to the, the the sort of leader of the gang. and I don't know if you recognize this guy but he was the old guy from Turkish Star Wars, the wise old man in Turkish oh. Star Wars. So same director and one of the same actors here has been carried over I as well. I not
1: recognize that.
0: He had quite a minor role in Turkish Star Wars or at least in the in the final cut. Yeah. Perhaps <laughs> maybe he had an hour more in the original. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe he did have, he should have had more and that's why he's been given quite a good role in this film. He's probably he seems he's probably quite a veteran actor and he got ...properly shafted on the uh, the theatrical cut of Turkish Star Wars. (laughs) So he's given quite a good villainous role here in in Turkish Rambo. At this gang headquarters we see this businessman... ...from the beginning of the film with the moustache. He's been captured and also Sadar has been captured as well... ...so everyone's conveniently at this place now. Um, In order to teach Sadar a lesson... uh, ...the gang boss buries him up to his neck in the garden... I got I got clear um, story of Ricky vibes at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, with this guy buried up to his neck in, in in mud, and then it starts to rain, and he's just like gurning and like fle- he's flexing his like neck muscles to see if he can somehow flex his way out of <laughs> out of the being buried up to the neck. But he's he's not able to. I was a bit disappointed actually. I thought he might just like. Shoot out of the mud or something, but no, he's not. He's not able to. There's a scene where Sadar is there, buried up to his neck, flexing and grimacing. The young girl from earlier is being sort of um, grabbed and roughed up by some henchmen, and this gang boss is just repeatedly shouting at her, "You talk, talk. Why won't you talk? You're going to talk. I'll make you talk." <laughs> this went on for like a solid like three or four minutes, and <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we. I was just, like, "When is this gonna <laughs> stop? It's just do the stand." We were just sitting here, just waiting and waiting for something to happen. Surely something's gonna happen. They're gonna like, they're gonna attack her, or she's gonna break free, or Siddharth's gonna burst out the mud. But no, none of that happens. What actually happens after three minutes of this is the boss gets called away and just walks away from the scene, and there's no payoff whatsoever. Such an anticlimax. So I was like, fuck, there better be some fucking stabbing in this later," and there is. So it's okay. But the boss goes to talk to this rich businessman guy who's being held hostage. The guy says, "Oh, call, uh, call my buddy Jakob. He'll come and uh, he'll come and sort me out. He'll go, he'll give you the money you want or whatever it is that you want. He'll uh, he'll organise it for you."
1: Yeah, he said he, he tells the hostage that he's an important person.
0: Mm-hmm. He's probably worth some money or something. So we'll, yeah, we'll get it out of you. Uh we cut to the next morning when Sadar sort of wakes up still uh still in the mud, still <laughs> buried under <after> the neck. <laughs> He's really thirsty um so the way they've um demonstrated this is that they've sort of glued half his mouth shut with something. So you can only open one side of his mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't see this, but you can hear it. Um, <laughs> to indicate he's so thirsty that his lips have fused together in, in, in areas. Yeah. Um, this is ludicrous. A millipede starts crawling close to his head. And, he can, oh. <laughs> and then a henchman is filling up some water. <laughs> and as a joke, just starts pouring it out onto the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after all this, the gang boss says, you know what? he's a tough guy he's a strong guy I like him yeah get him out of the mud (laughs) so they get him out of the mud and they hose him down I I think this was the first time you really see this quite impressive physique of this guy like his back is fucking enormous he must have been the biggest guy in Turkey like that you could find and they make sure
1: they show some close-ups of him, oh. like flexing
0: and stuff it's like it's like every Schwarzenegger film where he holds the he holds the gun in such Get a way bicep where, in, where yeah. his bicep is right to the camera or the you know that you son of a bitch handshake from predator all mm. these things that happen in Schwarzenegger films are definitely happening in this film where yeah he's just he can't just like <laughs> he can't just stand in a room and like Stand, he has to like lean against the wall in such a way that his biceps flex every every single um, positioning of this man is designed to show off his muscles Yeah, and it works because he looks like a fucking beast let's get the perfect angle on this shoulder yeah. blade this is quite some yeah some muscular homoerotic <laughs> shooting <here>. it was great <laughs> so he's hosed down some of the henchmen come in and start messing with him and they try to um, they try to cut, cut him on his arm, mm. but his biceps and his muscles are so immense that he can't actually make any cut with his knife. He's like, huh? "What?" And he keeps like soaring at this guy's arm, and nothing's happening because <laughs> his muscles are so like immense. It's it's hilarious. We get the closest thing to a training montage in this film. Is it's mostly just flexing again. Uh, this scene where Sadar is outside and he's doing like a one-armed push-up on a tree, um, and you get training montage music. And I was thinking like, oh great, we're going to get a training montage, and it doesn't really go anywhere. No, it's mostly him just flexing, front pose, flexing his arms up, just not at anyone, just on his own in the in the desert. Yeah. Um, so again, it's just look how muscular this guy is. <laughs> You think Arnold Schwarzenegger's big? Well, look at this guy. You know, he's, he's, he's definitely... Maybe it's in his contract like uh, like Van Damme has to get his ass out in every film. Maybe it's like that. Sadar agrees to go and get Yakup, which is like this job that the gang boss gets him to do. Again, at this point, if I were them, I'd be thinking, this is weird. We we buried this guy up to his neck. We tortured him. And, but now all of a sudden he's happy to, to do a job for us <laughs> like hello this this is a setup this is a plant you idiots uh-huh. goes to a local cottage and has an, an incredible knife fight um we start to see a bit more violence now it's, it's quite full on i mean you know it's not graphic but um and there's lots of like thwacking noises a lot of but, fast-paced stabbing yeah, emotions, it's still quite I violent. Think. Like I, I, at its best, it reminded me a little bit of the raid, in the way that people just stab, stab, stab, stab, and like keep stabbing more than you think that they should be allowed to show. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm getting more stabbing than I deserve. You <laughs> know. Oh, the the girl has also been um, escaped from this compound, so he has to he has to accompany her as well. He has to sort of drag her along cross country, and he's you know he's he's a sort of a, a bit of a brute, so he doesn't really like this. As every sort of woman in these sort of films, she keeps falling over and mm-hmm. going, oh, being like pathetic. There's a bit where they have to um, <laughs> they have to jump um, maybe two foot uh, <laughs> from one rock to another, um, but they're like, it's really dramatic and the music is really, the tension is really ratcheted up. And there's this random flashback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I thought this was quite good because I think we've mentioned this on the show before, but it's sort of a premonition of the scene in Cliffhanger where Sylvester Stallone is holding a woman over a gorge hmm. uh, and he accidentally drops her at the beginning of the film and then later in that film, the same thing happens and he has a flashback and he doesn't drop the person. Yeah. This is exactly what they do in this film, yeah. but about f- six years before Cliffhanger came out. So this is uh, I thought this was weirdly uh, predicting. Yeah. It's weirdly predicting a Sylvester Stallone film that hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And you go, they're ripping off stuff that hasn't come out yet <laughs> fair play uh-huh. um, but yeah exactly the same thing happens as happens in Cliffhanger he's ha- holding this woman over a gorge or that's probably less impressive than the one in that film and there's a flashback to when he was in the army again I, I said it all along this guy is definitely in the army <laughs> and he's been sent to infiltrate and still people aren't cottoning on to this but we see a flashback of him um, struggling to hold a soldier and he ends up dropping him but he saves the girl so it's fine there's a weird sequence where he's, he's sort of cooking some meat on a stick over a fire <laughs> it's not clear at all what what this is what kind of meat this is it's just this has been cut out of you know they could have cut out a, a minute of or oh, maybe 30 seconds of the scene where he's shouting in the rain mm-hmm. and shown an animal being captured but no, yeah. that's not necessary They've, they're eating random animal on a stick to strangely soft music as well. It does get part. romantic, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the music does anyway. Um, there's a sort of a touching scene where he he's eating an animal off a stick, and then he tears off a tiny little sliver <laughs> and hands it to her, and then goes back to like ripping it off with his teeth, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Again, romantic music. And she's like, "You're going to leave, aren't you?" Oh, I know that look in your eye. You're a man who's always on his own. You're like a lone wolf. You know you're going to leave. He, he grabs her by the face and teases that he's gonna sort of give her a kiss but then kisses her on the forehead yeah so um Siddar's not a he's not a kiss on the first date kind of guy he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's um teasing her a it there's some very similar fight sequences again uh, lots of punching guys so that they end up rolling down a bank of slate rock or like some loose rock some of the
1: punches were ridiculous <laughs> just punching the same person in the face about 20 times and they're still standing up
0: <laughs> yeah i thought he was like superhuman surely he should be able to take 20 punches but his enemies shouldn't like surely yeah. surely two or three from him would be enough but mm. lots lots of people just endlessly rolling down a bank yeah running me a hot rod just endlessly falling down a down a <laughs> hillside I just wrote so much punching (laughs) like he like you say he punched a guy ten times and you thought oh this is a bit much then he punched him another ten times then maybe a bit more then a headlock then like he punched this guy in the chest like so many times that his chest started to like bleed (laughs) like he had internal bleeding from being punched so much and I just thought like in Rambo there were like guns and stuff like right? yeah this guy hasn't really used a gun yet he's just punching the shit out of people <laughs> but to the point where it takes a long time to to kind of take him down i thought this was a bit tedious really it was um, quite entertaining mm-hmm. but then like just
1: kind <laughs> of went on a bit long
0: <laughs> went on forever <laughs> Uh, At some point here, the girl uh, tragically dies. I can't even remember what happens to her. Yeah, it's all a bit of a blur here. He goes back to the gang and they put him back in the prison cell again. What the fuck? (laughs) And then it's revealed, at long last, oh my god... Sadar is in the Turkish army. He was never a criminal. <laughs> what a he surprise. A, he was an army commander. Oh, my God. As if fucking no one was able to figure that out until a, now. Yeah, what a shock. Um, the, the, the rich businessman blows the whistle because he says, well, actually, I'm in the army too. We're all in the army. <laughs> and we've come here to, to take you down. Um, as soon as he reveals that Sadar is in the Turkish army, he immediately starts punching his way out of his prison cell wooden pallets. It's not a very secure prison cell, is it, really? <laughs> and here we get the sequence that a lot of people probably will have seen. The famous rocket launcher. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first thing I noticed about this rocket launcher is, initially, people are using it indoors. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sadar is on the stairs and a henchman comes in and points the rocket launcher up, up a stairwell. It's like... You idiot, what are you doing? You can't fire a rocket launcher indoors. Like, anyone who's played any video game will will tell you that's not a good idea. You're going to die. You'll kill everybody. Yeah. But this rocket launcher is fine because, basically, you pull the trigger and it goes, like... It falls, like, a couple of inches onto the floor. Yeah. And then it cuts to a completely different area of someone, like, chucking it into the ground. And then it explodes, like... (laughs) Like it must have been a real pain in the ass to put all of this together. They
1: definitely removed the launch from rocket
0: launcher. It, it, didn't, oh, it, it wasn't launched. Never... <laughs> it was like a rocket rocket dropper. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and you never see it traveling through the air. Just you see it falling off the end of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> falling off the end of the rocket launcher, and then you see it landing in the ground. Or not even, don't even, sometimes you don't even see it landing on the other end. You just see it falling off the rocket launcher, cut to an explosion. You can just assume that a rocket has launched through the air and it has connected. Like, yeah, yeah. just trust us, it has, All right. It's crazy. These last 10 minutes is like him wandering around this encampment, just randomly finding rockets on the ground wherever <laughs> he goes. <laughs> so, like, because obviously he's not wearing any sort of bandolier or anything, and he's not going to any kind of crate or ammunition store. He's just fires a rocket runs over to another part oh there's another one here puts that <laughs> fires that one. Oh, oh i've got a rocket now I'll, I'll just have to hit people with it oh no there's one there on the ground why are people leaving like live rockets on the ground throughout this camp that seems like it could go wrong but, yeah massive gunfight the army storms this compound the gang boss ends up getting killed by the rocket launcher of course not directly a rocket goes off near him and he gets a bit of a, um, a bruise on his face, mm. and then just sort of like gurns, goes, <laughs> and, and dies. And we cut to a sort of a, a, a square in some sort of city, uh, maybe maybe in Ankara, the capital. And it's revealed that, yeah, of course, Sadar, he was never a criminal. Um, we created fake murders so that it would look like he was a criminal. Mm. I was just thinking, I don't know. I've seen him murder quite a lot of people <laughs> yeah. in this film. I, I'm not sure there were any fake murders. He should have been present for all um, this violence. <laughs> it's just this wonderful irony of, uh, well, if you're in the army, you can't possibly murder anyone. It's, that's that's not murder. Either. It's like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, that's fake murder. Yeah. <laughs> And he's actually a very patriotic guy. He says, you know, well, I love Turkey so much, that's why I did this, and that's why I kill people. (laughs) uh, Again, this never really happened in Rambo. It did sort of, as Rambo went on, he became... Like, Rambo 3 was a bit cheesy and, and, like, USA. Yeah. But the Rambo character was meant to be completely disenfranchised with America because he he was left to rot after Vietnam. He was a Vietnam veteran that was abandoned, and that's why he went mad and started killing people. I'm doing so it alone. Yeah, the Rambo trilogy itself is very hypocritical when it starts off as this guy that turns against the government and is a villain, an anti-hero, and by the end of the third film, he's like working for the government and he's like USA, America. And so yeah. <clears throat> I feel all, all those hypocrisies I feel are reflected perfectly in this much shorter time frame <laughs> um, by this guy who is a murderous, psychotic killer. But it's all right because he works for the army. It's okay. <laughs> So there you go. That is Rampage, Turkish Rambo. What were your overall thoughts on this one, Mark? I quite enjoyed it. I think it was
1: slightly more plot than Star Wars. I thought the action was a bit more entertaining. Some mm. of the um, some of the knife fights <laughs> <laughs> and punching and stuff was
0: quite yeah. actually quite it's definitely over entertaining. The, it's sort of over the top stuff that you do get in Rambo films. Yeah, slightly different, but yeah, comparable. Comparable was, to a Schwarzenegger and a Renner and a Stallone. There was some
1: good laughs in this.
0: And yeah, I just
1: got quite enjoyed it. I mean, I was obviously like pretty stupid in places, but it wasn't as <clears throat> convoluted as
0: hmm.
1: Turkish Star Wars for me anyway.
0: I think it does a much better job of, of um, transplanting this franchise and this genre of, of American cinema over to Turkey. Yeah. Like. And I'm guessing, I guess in 1986, people would have seen films a bit like this. Um, maybe would have seen the Terminator or something like that. Like, surely people had seen action films in Turkey by 1986. But mm. um, I feel like, I guess American action films of the 1980s—they're not terribly complicated. They no. shouldn't shouldn't be anyway. No. Take something like Commando, for example. Yeah. There's nothing complicated at all about that. About yeah. As simple as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> They're simple films. You should be. It should be so difficult to fuck up an action film of this type. And yeah, I thought they did a good job of of transplanting it into a Turkish setting, um, just changing a couple of, of features, I suppose, for the for the Turkish audiences. And um, it's a good approximation of of a Rambo film, certainly the later Rambo films, and a good approximation of uh, of a 80s action sort of cheese over the top. So I think uh, I think people in Turkey probably would have been quite quite delighted with this in 1986, and quite. Um, I imagine some people would have thought, "Fucking hell, this is a bit over the top. This is a bit hardcore." Like I imagine, I imagine there was maybe, um, maybe this was a film your your parents wouldn't really want, want have wanted you to go see if you were a teenager in in Turkey, you know? Yeah. Mark, if you had to sue one of these films for copyright infringement, meaning that it could never be shown again, (laughs) um, if you were. Able somehow to spare one of them so that, that it could it could be seen again, even though it's a complete rip off. Which one would you uh, would you censor and would you would you copyright ban and which one would you save? Hmm. I would ban <clears throat> Star Wars,
1: <laughs> even though it's... to be fair, it
0: features footage from from Star Wars. <laughs> so that's there's there's no um, ambiguity
1: of the copyright yeah. There. yeah, even though it seems like star wars is going to be the more popular out of these two because it's just the bigger franchise Yeah,
0: yeah
1: i think rambo is a bit more entertaining slightly easier to follow yeah Um, there's a lot of crazy action in both but i think i just enjoyed it a bit more so i would ban star wars (laughs) and and allow rambo
0: yeah i agree (laughs) Turkish Star Wars was just all over the shop, trying to cram so much into such a shorter time, uh, and trying to rip off several several films at once. Like you know, just just check the um, the list of the of the, the soundtracks that it illegally samples, mm. like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Flash Gordon, Planet of the Apes, Silent Running. It, it tries to rip off as many soundtracks as it does other things. You know, it just yeah. could maybe uh, this guy earlier on in his career was a bit more wild and um, didn't give a fuck and maybe by the time Rambo came around he was like okay let's calm down a bit now let's let's try and rip off one thing at a time you know which he did he did other films that obviously were rip offs as well but I, I think Turkish Star Wars is just a case of just too much going on at the same time yeah couldn't decide what they were actually trying to um trying to approximate for the for the Turkish public and I'm sure the Turkish public were pretty pretty confused when they saw the Turkish <laughs> Star Wars. So, Rampage is uh, is a very good um, a port, let's say, yeah. uh, a Turkish port of of a great American franchise, and it kind of retains the same feel as Rambo, uh, retains everything that's kind of uh, good about those franchises, just in, in a slightly more um, shoddy way. So, yeah, I agree. Turkish Rambo is the, the better bad film here, and everybody should. Uh, of a way to see it, and particularly the English dub version, which is which... recommendations. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm going to recommend many other Turkish uh, rip-offs that um, I haven't seen, but I, ho- I hope to one day. Turkish mockbusters. They don't. They don't. Uh, it's not just these two films. It's, it's many, many films. Turkish exorcist. Um, I looked up. Sounds <laughs> very interesting. There's Turkish Star Trek. Um, there's Turkish Avengers. And uh, two films that I was very interested in and maybe we'll do a future episode if, if you guys really want us to. There have been not one but two rip offs of E. T. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh Google that if you're interested in what um the Turkish E. T. looks like. We'll have to do a Turkish Delights Two. Yes. <laughs> if if you people want us to do more Turkish mockbusters, let us know and we might we might do um Turkish E. T. or the the two different ones and maybe um maybe put those against each other so yeah just google it Tur- Turkish Mockbusters you'd be lucky if you can find these films to watch to be honest Turkish Star Wars is on YouTube you can find this with English subtitles and um, Turkish Rambo I actually found this English dub on somebody's blog who I want to give a shout out because I couldn't find this at all on them um, on YouTube with an English dub and I didn't really want to watch it entirely in in Turkish uh, if you guys go to uh, cultmoviesblog.blogspot.com and just scroll down a little bit on the page um, this blogger here has got the um, Turkish Rambo with the English dub and also some Italian subtitles if you're Italian you can also watch it on that page so. Uh, please subscribe to this show release a new show, you'll be the first to know if you are a subscriber uh, give us a review on iTunes, if you could give us a 5 star review that would be brilliant if you have any comments or questions about either of these films, you can get in touch with us on Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter at Schlock Tactics. Let us know what you thought of these films, any films you, you would like us to review, any suggestions, uh, get in touch anytime and let us know about that one. And yeah, that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. Uh, my name is Ben Ash and I've been joined by Mark. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.